Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. Wow. What a great Sunday. Just look around. This is incredible. I love having the full house. Thank you so much for being here. And um, I also just want to just real quick, and there's no way that I can give it the, the attention that it needs, but best I can tell is we served about 1,500 people over this last week in and through the dramas that we had put on, in and through the free breakfast that we put on, the Easter egg hunt, and, um, and just everything else that, that had taken place. And so you know what? We can, we can do our best at planning and, and, and working and putting things together, but unless people show up, amen, and it's all to God's glory. So I want to say a big thank you to anybody and everybody, A, that served, and B, if you showed up just to be served. Come on, how many of you know that that just glorifies the Lord? Amen? And so thank you so much for that. And um, also, I just real quick want to talk to our guests here for the first time. If this is your first time here, just go ahead and just raise your hand. We just want to recognize you. We're not going to have you give a speech or anything, but raise your hand. Awesome. Thank you so much. I feel like, um, I feel like there's probably more, but you're like, I'm not going to raise my hand in that group of people. Um, listen. Just real quick, I know that, um, that, that a lot of times, you know, you, you're invited by family members, you know, maybe your mom's been just on you, I'd really love for you to come to Easter service with me. And, um, and I want you to know this, that, that whether you believe in God or not, um, in, in fact, I would just say this, to the, to the atheist of all atheists, it's like the person that says, you know what, it's crazy for somebody to think that there is a God and, and they've got their own understanding as to why that is. I want you to know this, that all of us are on a spiritual journey. All of us are on a spiritual journey and I would love on this spiritual journey that we're all on, whether you know it or not, I would love to be your tour guide. There's four things that I believe that God wants every single one of us to know. The first one is, is he wants us to know that he wants to enter into a relationship with us. And this, my friend, is so different than religion. Like religion, and we, we live in a very religious community. I love the community that we live. That's not a, it's not a jab. I love everything that there is, but there's a whole lot of church going on in our, in our community. And so a lot of religion. But I'm telling you this, that the relationship that I'm talking about goes beyond religion. It goes beyond the do's and the don'ts and the shoulds and the won'ts and, and the rules, you know, the rules to follow. It's very possible that many people become atheists because of a bad experience that they have in the church. And if that's the case, I apologize to you. But don't stop serving God. Don't stop believing in God because man came up short. We come up short all the time. We're probably going to come up short again, but God doesn't. He never comes up short. He wants to be in relationship with you. He wants you to know him. The second thing is, is he wants you to experience freedom. Somebody say freedom. freedom. You might be here and you're like, well, freedom from what? You know what? My life's pretty dang good and whatnot. I would answer that question. Freedom from the thing that has you bound. 
The one thing that you deal with that you wish you did not deal with, I am telling you that Jesus Christ is the solution to that. He wants to give you freedom so that that thing doesn't mess with you any longer. The Bible says that he who the Son sets free, talking about Jesus, is free indeed. And that freedom is available to you. Somebody say amen. amen. The next thing that he wants to do is he wants to reveal his purpose for your life. I want you to know this, that whether you believe it or not, you were created on purpose for a purpose. You were created by design. You weren't an accident. You know, it's not, it's not accidentally that you are alive and well right here in 2022. And the reason is, is because God's got a plan for you to do. And that takes us to step number four. The fourth thing that he wants to do is he wants you to live a life that is meaningful. And that meaningful life goes beyond just leaving a good legacy. Like how many of you want to leave a good legacy for, for your children to follow and for, you know, how many of you want to leave a good impression on the planet? You know, whether you're given 20 years or, or 120 years, I'd like to see that. But anyway, it goes beyond that. We're talking about meaning being of an eternal value. There's an eternal kingdom that God is a part of, wants you to be a part of, and you're, you're going to be a part of something eternally. And I'm just saying this, that he wants to use your life not only to save you, but he wants to use your life to encourage and be a blessing to others. Amen? And so I'm asking you once again, I would love to be your tour guide. Please trust us in this process. You don't have to have things figured out. I'm asking you to, to give us at least a few weeks uh, coming back. I'm going to be back here next week, and so I want you to know you can come back here next week as well. Amen? Amen? It's funny. So many people will come to Easter service, and I used to think, man, I just can't wait until next week. It's going to be just the same. I don't know where y'all go. I don't know where y'all y'all just like disappear, but I'm inviting you. I will be back next week. I encourage you to do the same. Amen? All right. So the title of my message here this morning is The Man Who Learned to Believe. The Man Who Learned to Believe. Romans chapter 8 and verse 11, if you'll go ahead and turn your Bibles, please, to Romans 8 and verse 11. Online, if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn them there. Write these scriptures down. If you don't have your Bible, I encourage you to study them out later. It'll also be behind me. It says this, that the Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Just as God raised Jesus, he will give life to your mortal bodies by that same spirit that is living inside of you. So I want to just talk to you just for a moment. I want you to know this, that God just doesn't want to save you and, and raise you to life for eternity. You know what I mean? He wants to raise the dead areas of your life right here today. And so once again, you've got areas, maybe some dreams and some hopes that were so strong at one point, but now they're, they're, just, they're just gone and they're, and they're dead. Maybe there's some relationships that you desire to continue to have today, but the enemy has come in and, and just, just stolen those relationships. And I'm just saying this, that the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, meaning, meaning this, he died on a cross. How many of you like the position of the cross? High and lifted up. That is so good up there. Um, Jesus died on a cross, he was buried in a tomb, but he rose again on the third day. And so that there was a spirit that raised him up and that same spirit is available to you, come on, to bring the dead areas of your life once again to life again. And, um, and I want you to know that that's for you. This church is filled with so many stories of people that have been surely dead, but they've come to life again. 
You know, there's a couple of these stories. In fact, one of them I just want to share with you. And honestly, there's hundreds in the, in the church. But, but one of the stories, there was a young man by the name of Chris Johnson that got baptized. I think it was last week or the week before. He and his two boys got baptized. Chris came to a men's breakfast the Saturday before the Sunday, and, and he gave his heart to Jesus right out here in the lobby. And so I'm telling you, man, people are getting saved coming to men's breakfast. So, so I encourage you men, be a part of our men's breakfast because powerful things are happening and, and we're having a good time with one another. But he gives his heart to Jesus, repents of his sins. He's here the very next Sunday, and then he comes up to after the service to me, and he's like, Pastor... Man, I don't know. I was like, what do you mean you don't know? He's like, man, I feel God in this place. And do you know how long it's been since I felt God? And I'm just telling you, the spirit of God is alive and well in this place and changing my life. And, and uh, you know, he reaches out to me several times since then. And I just absolutely, man, when he came up out of the water, I thought it was like Rocky Balboa because he had his arms raised. And, and I was like, you know, I of the tiger was playing in, my, in, the back of my, in the back of my mind and and that was really cool. But another person is Kurt Wells. And, and I'm so excited about this young man's uh, journey with the Lord. And in fact, this guy texts me just about every day. He sent me a song last night, late last night. He said, Pastor, I want you to know that the song's just been ministering to me. And I hope it ministers to you as well. Thank you for what you do. And I was just so encouraged by that. But Kurt was raised in the church and uh, raised as a good Baptist and, and was raised in the church. And then all of a sudden, you know what I mean? It came up to him making the decision to live for God or not. And he chose to walk away from God. And he told me that, Pastor, I'd been running away from God for 20 years. And I came into the service just a couple of weeks ago. In fact, what's crazy is Chris and Kirk came the same service. The same thing happened. So some of y'all must have been praying or something because I'm telling you, the power of God just moved. But he, he, he called me and said, and let me know again. He was like, listen, I just want you to know that every time I just step foot in that church, I just feel like weeping and I feel like, I feel like crying. 20 years of running away from God, surrendered his life back to God and now is on fire. Fire. That's fire. That's fire. Got a little excited there for a second. I apologize. So. Why am I sharing this? Because the resurrection is not an event just to celebrate, but it is an, it's a power that needs to be experienced. Like, listen, man, we are not here today, and we haven't been here this last week to give a free breakfast and to hide some Easter eggs. We, matter of fact, we had over 10,000 Easter eggs. There was no hiding anything. They were all just out there. Like, you couldn't take a step without stepping on an Easter egg. But it goes so far be, beyond, you, you know what I mean? Just celebrating and recognizing, you know, a resurrection that, that, is, that has taken place. It's all about the resurrection of Jesus. But I'm telling you this, that God wants you to experience, because of his gift, your own resurrection power. Amen? John chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus says it like this. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. So he says, listen, I'm not, I just didn't experience, you know what I mean, being dead and then, then being raised again to, to, to a, uh, life again. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. And then he says this, and it's key. The one who believes, somebody say believes. The one who believes, this is the key word in the whole service today. The one who believes in me will live 
even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then he says this, do you believe this? And, and let's be honest. There are some people in this faith journey that if they were going to answer honestly, they would say, well, I kind of want to believe. You know, kind of, like I, I should, but, but I mean, it's hard. You're asking me to believe in something that I cannot see. And all I'm saying is this, that when you make a movement for him, I'm telling you, he is going to reveal himself in such a powerful, significant way that even though you cannot see him physically like a person in front of you, I'm telling you, you will experience him tangibly just as sure as I am standing on this stage. Amen. I'm telling you, he will show himself to you and you will not have to, you know, just just wonder like there is no doubt in my mind that God is real and that God loves me. So my desire today is to help you if you're in a place of disbelief or or doubt to move you a step closer to belief, maybe even all the way. So today I want to share with you two stories. The first story is how it is that we end up in doubt in the first place. How do we end up in doubt in the first place? So this is found in Mark chapter 9. Go ahead and turn your Bibles there. It's on the screen behind me. Starting in verse 17, it says this. So I want to set this up just here real quick. So Jesus had just taken three of his very special disciples, Peter, James, and John. Uh, Was it Peter? Yeah, it was Peter, James, and John, I believe up to on the mountain of transfiguration and um and he's up there with them and something very significant begins to happen they see that 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 there it is revealed to them that that jesus is in fact god and to the point where you know jesus is telling them listen don't tell anybody else what it is that you've seen until until i'm, I'm i've died and then rose again and so they're coming back down off of the mountain and um and then all of a the sudden, they're getting closer to a crowd, and the crowd is arguing. They're fighting amongst themselves, okay? And so Jesus comes up on the scene, and he says this, what are you all fighting about? What are you fighting about? And, and the reason why they were fighting is because there was, a, there was a father that was there, and this father had a demon-possessed son, and there were scribes and religious leaders that were there, and the disciples had tried to set the son free from this demonic spirit. And so now what you have is you've got the religious leaders, you know, they're really getting after the disciples. Like, why in the world are you not able to set this, this kid free? And so Jesus shows up on the scene and he says, listen, what are you arguing about? And it picks up here in 17. A man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth and gnashes his teeth and he becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Now, this is interesting because the disciples up to this point, they had been very successful in laying hands on the sick, just like Jesus did. And, uh, and, and the sick would, would recover. They were, they were healed. There was all kinds of miracles taking place, but this was different. They were praying for this boy and nothing was happening. So Jesus' response to them, he says, you unbelieving generation. Now I'm going to pause and I'm going to interject my own thoughts on this because forever and a day, I used to think that he was talking to the disciples. You unbelieving generation, how, how long must I be with you? While 
the disciples were certainly a part of his audience that he was talking to. I fully believe that he was talking to the disciples. I fully believe that he was talking to the Father. I fully believe that he was talking to the Pharisees and the scribes and everybody else that was a religious leader there because they had no problem getting after the disciples. Well, why couldn't you cast this, this demon out? But yet they didn't step up and say, you know what I mean? I am a religious man as well. Let me set this boy free. They didn't do that. They were just getting after. And so, so it's very possible that even possibly, this is a stretch, but possibly even the boy didn't believe. And so he doesn't say, what's wrong with you, you know, you, 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 you silly disciples, how, how long must I be with you? He calls the whole generation out. He says this, he says, uh, you unbelieving generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him, and when the spirit saw Jesus, it threw the boy into convulsions. He fell to the ground, and he rolled around, foaming at the mouth. And then Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has this boy been like this? And he said, from childhood. It often throws him into the fire or water to try to kill him. Now listen, I love the dad's response here. The dad's response is so incredible. You could tell the dad's response is one out of frustration. I mean, I have had my kids hurt before, and you want to give them comfort, you want to give them a solution, but you just, you can't. There's nothing you can do to help them. How frustrating is that as a parent? And so you can also tell that this just doesn't happen every once in a while. Maybe this happens on the daily, or it's certainly on the, on the, on the regular, that, that this spirit is throwing his boy to the ground in an attempt to, in an attempt to kill him. But, but I can relate to a frustrated father. But this is what the father says. But if you, if you, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Now, I think the Bible is so funny. I think it's humorous. Most people would probably skip right over this. But here's Jesus. He's Jesus. And I'm not saying by any means he's prideful or anything like that. But the way Jesus responds to them, to this father, he says, if you can, like, do you know, do you, do you realize, you don't realize who I am. If you can, and you see, it just messes me up just a little bit whenever we approach Jesus as common. And let me tell, I want to talk to the young people just here for, for, for just a second. I think that there is a movement amongst our young people, our young believers. I'm not talking, I'm not talking, you know, the, 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 I'm not talking those that do not believe or have a relationship, but there's a movement to treat G-man, uh, G-man. <laughs> You know, G-Man, the G-Man, you know, J-Man. <laughs> Where in the world did that come from? But there is a movement to treat Jesus as common. You know what I'm saying? He's just my buddy. He's my, he's my friend. And is he a friend? Yes, absolutely, man. He's a friend that sticks closer than a, than a brother. But I'm just telling you this, that he is not common. In fact... If you get a picture of who Jesus is, a real picture, like instead of him just being so patient, and he is patient, he is so much more patient than I would be patient, but he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, amen? 
There is none greater than him. And so we approach Jesus sometimes like, yeah, I'll get there when I get there. When the truth is, is we should be at his feet begging him for his grace and his mercy, begging him, you know what I mean? That he just doesn't, because I'm telling you, he is royalty. He is the, the highest level of royalty that there is. And sometimes our approach to Jesus is a lot like the pictures that we see on Google. Please don't Google Jesus right now. But I encourage you to Google Jesus after the service. There's two pictures that we frame who Jesus is, and it comes through the arts many times. Sometimes it comes through our songs. Our songs, they just, it doesn't pick up how amazing and incredible and almighty and powerful that Jesus is. But certainly the pictures don't pick it up. What do we do? We Google Jesus. You're going to seal, you're going to see malnourished Jesus. You're going to see Jesus with his cheeks you know, sunken in and he's weak and he's frail and he's a skinny little, little, little pixel of a guy. And he's wearing a robe and, 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 and he's always, you know, he's, there's, there, you, you'll Google it, you'll see it. There's a picture. Why this picture is there? It always looks like he's ready to throw a curveball. You know what I'm saying? He's just, whatever this is, I have no idea. All the baseball players know what I'm talking about. But then there's another picture where Jesus is in this beautiful white robe and he's got finer hair than any woman that's in this place right now. It flows. He's got locks and locks of hair and it's long and he doesn't have any blemishes whatsoever on his skin. You would die to have skin, you know what I mean, like Jesus. And he's wearing this white robe and he's carrying around a lamb and all Jesus does is just pack around the lamb all day long and just pet the lamb. And I'm telling you, I've read a lot of my Bible and I've not seen one time where he just carries around a lamb all day long and pets the lamb. But let me tell you about the Jesus of my Bible. This is the Jesus that speaks to those that are deaf and they hear. He speaks to the blind and he says, go and see. And they see. He talks to demons that are, the thousands of demons that are feeling a, a life of a person and he says, be removed. And guess what? They're removed. He speaks to the storms and the storms stop. Amen. And not only that, he laid his life down on a cross so that you and I can live without sin. Oh, and guess what? The Jesus of the Bible is the one that fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. How many of you have fasted 40 days? No food, zero food. How many of you have fasted 30 days? How many have you? Praise God. I love that. How many of you have fasted 20 days? The most I've ever fasted without food was 14 days. And I'm telling you, you want to talk about growth, but you also want to talk about times of weakness. You know what I mean? Where the spirit of God will come in and need to strengthen you to keep going on. This guy fasted no food for 40 days and 40 nights and was led out into the wilderness to be tempted. He made Satan look like Bush League. He made Satan look like a fool because that's exactly who Satan is in light of Jesus. But we, we always approach him. We tend to approach him like, like he's just common and he's not common. Come on. He died on that cross for you and I, and we should honor and love him and respect him as such. Amen. Jesus's response is this. If you can, Jesus said, Everything is possible for the one that believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. And then there was a question mark. I think I believe. 
Boy, I hope I believe. Like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be counted with those that do not believe. And then he says something powerful. Help me with my unbelief. And I'm just saying this. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. Maybe I'll preach a whole sermon. But the longer that you walk with the Lord, the more you realize that you've got belief issues. Like there was a time when I was first saved, on fire, set on fire on God, thought I knew everything that there was about God. The longer I work, that I walk with him and I serve him, the more he exposes areas where I'm truly not believing in him. And I'm just saying that if that makes sense to you, God bless. And if not, it will someday. So there's three reasons why people doubt. Three reasons. Number one, we don't think that God is doing a good job at being God. Right? And in fact, we would go on to say that if we were God, we would do a better job of being God. You may not even say that out loud, but you're thinking it whenever God doesn't act in the way that you think he should act. You would say in your mind, you're thinking, man, if I was God, I would have healed this boy a long time ago. No matter, matter of fact, if I was God, this boy wouldn't have been sick in the first place and been demon possessed in the first place. Not even considering of the fall of man. You see, what we do is we picture the here and now, and we forget that God is a kingdom-minded God. He's not just concerned with our issues today. Come on, he's, in, he's concerned with our, with our eternity, and we've got to learn, you know what I mean, to trust him. Number two is we've tried to believe in the past, but it didn't work. We've been faithful to church. What I mean by that is, is out, of, out of, you know, 52 weeks, we go 12 weeks. We do 21 days of prayer. We start every January with 21 days of prayer. And we've been faithful, man. And, and I, went to, I went to 21 days of prayer, but I only made it three days out of the 21 days of prayer. Come on, I put my boy on the prayer chain. You know what I mean? Thinking that I could treat Jesus like a genie. And all I'm saying is this, that, that, um, that faith in God is not faith in God if you really don't believe in God. Like God will allow you to test him and try him out. But I'm telling you what, faith in God is faith in God whenever God doesn't do things like we expect or, or, or our plan for him to, to do things in the way that we want it to happen, we still continue to believe in him. Amen? I got one amen. All right. All right. So we've got a faith includes trusting even when things don't work out. Number three is this, we start or we allow the doubt of others to affect us. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but I, boy, I really do believe that there's some people here you've been talked to directly by God. He's impressed something on your heart to start a business, to get in the ministry, maybe even get it, get out on the mission field full time. You know what I'm saying? Do something great, and then all of a sudden, maybe it's go back to school, and you're like, yeah, I could go back to school, but then, you know, you kind of start to doubt yourself, well, I haven't been to school for 30 years, and then all of a sudden, you share what it is that God has shown you in the secret place with the wrong person, and they don't respond quite like you think, or you thought that they would respond, and then all of a sudden, you yourself are in complete doubt. Why? Because you allowed the doubt of others to rob from you what God has told you and showed you. All right? So doubt is this, a feeling of uncertainty or a lack of conviction. And I'm telling you what, guys, we live in a generation of doubters right now. I never would have thought, and just bear with me here, but I never would have thought in my lifetime that we would be doubting if a boy is a boy or a girl is a girl biologically. 
I'm not talking about feelings and emotions that somebody may have, but it is blows my mind that we're even having a conversation biologically if a boy is a boy or a girl is a girl. And so listen, we are getting, we're fixing to lose an entire generation if we don't come to the place as the church of understanding what it is that we believe and then standing up for what it is that we believe. We're gonna lose an entire generation uh, uh, to doubt if, if, we, if we don't make a stand. And I'm just saying, God, help us, not on my watch. One of the first ministries that I was asked to start was a ministry for college and career um, age, age uh, I'm just gonna call them kids because they were a lot younger than I, I was, but it was for 19 to 30 years, years of age, year old people. And uh, this was back in the Boise area out in Caldwell. And, um, and I was immediately surrounded by, by some great thinkers, some incredible minds. Um, these kids were going to college and had great ambition. Some of them were already in the workforce and, and just doing, doing a great thing. But the ministry was, was blowing up. And, and I was, I was sur surrounded by high thinkers, high-level thinkers. But let me just tell you this. Just because you got a great mind doesn't mean that you're always going to choose to engage it. And I sure met a lot of people that were very, very smart that, that didn't choose to engage or think. In fact, I will say this today, not, not back then, but I think our higher education, uh, you know, our higher learning, people are being taught now, and I wanna just speak to you that are in college right now to be careful. They're teaching you not how to necessarily think, but what to believe, what to believe is being just programmed into our, our college kids. And so I'm just saying, beware of that. And if you will just but pause and engage your mind and really take what it is that you know about God, you're gonna see that that stuff can't fly. It just will not fly if you're really gonna be a thinker. But people with great minds have a, an ability to shut off their mind and just go with whatever it is that's been told to them. And so anyway, wh whatever that's worth. But, but uh what I loved about Identity One Nine is there would, you know, our, some of our people were really good at inviting others to come and be a part of the ministry. And a lot of times, we would have, you know, these young men and women show up that didn't even believe in God. They'd never been to church or anything like that. And so one day, there was a guy that came with a friend, and after the service, he cornered up with me and he said, "I want to talk to you." And I could, just the way he said it, I was like, "This guy wants to verbally fight me." And um, and and so I said, "Yeah, yeah, well, listen, absolutely." So we went off, kind of cornered up a little bit, and and he said, "I want to talk to you about uh, creationism versus evolution." I was like, "All right, okay." And so he just went in. I believe four billion years ago, you know what I mean? There was this great explosion that equally all parts of this explosion, they just went out in every direction. And one part fell into a scum pond, and that was you. And, uh, and, and, and you kind of wiggled your way out of this scum pond, and you grew a tail, and you grew some hair. And then all of a sudden, the ice age came, your tail fell off, and now you're called a human being. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Do you know how much Faith it requires of you to believe that story. I said, I don't know one other Christian person that has as much faith as you have. 
I said, how about God just created everything, sent his son because he loved you so much, died for you, and as you receive him, he puts his spirit in you. He says, oh, no, 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 you're not getting off that easy. He says, I want you to, I want you to argue, argue your side. I said, listen, I'm not going to do that. We could do this back and forth. I've argued with a lot of people, never been successful one time in arguing with people. But the truth is, is if I was able to argue you into my position, then that means that somebody else that's just a little bit better arguer than I am can argue it right out of, of, of what I believe, of having a relationship with Jesus Christ. And then, and then you're, back to, you're back to zero. I said, what you need is you need a personal, powerful encounter with God. And I promise you that if you continue to come to, to events like this, I promise you, I believe you're searching for something I promise you, God is going to reveal himself to you. And you're more than welcome to come as much as, as, much as you'd like. Amen? So some people are searching for an intellectual explanation when what they need is a powerful experience. Right. And maybe I'm speaking to somebody here today. You, you want to you want to get things figured out in your mind. And this was just told to me a long time ago. If God is only as big as your mind, do you really want to serve him anyway? Come on. He is so far outside and above your ability to comprehend and to think. And he's all powerful, almighty. It's interesting. In the 1960s, there was what's called a race for space. And this is when the, the, uh, the, the Soviet Union and the United States were in a race to the moon. And of course, the United States was, was deemed as a Christian country. And the Soviets, you know, they had propaganda, you know, not believing, not believing in God. I think a lot of things have changed, hopefully since then. But, uh, but they, had, they sent one mission up, not to the moon, but they're just like, listen, man, there's a lot of people saying that God's out there in the heavens. What we're going to do is we're going to send a, a mission up. And we're going to have a, one of our cosmonauts tether out on a line and just kind of just, you know, for a little while, just kind of look out in the heavens. And, and then and this was all recorded live. And then and then what they're going to do is they're going to ask, you know, is God there? What do you see? And so that's exactly what they do. They sent the cosmonaut out. He's on the tether and he's just looking around and it's just silence and everybody's tuning in, watching. And then all of a sudden. One of the, 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 the Russians probably from the station said, listen, is he there? The big question comes, is he there? And, uh, and the cosmonaut says, Bogan yet, he's not here. And so over, over all of the, you know, the media that was used the next day and, and front page of the, of the, of the, the newspaper, God's not there. God's supposed to be in the heavens, but we sent up a cosmonaut and we didn't see him. He is not there. And they're just kind of celebrating. But I'm just telling you, had that cosmonaut unhooked himself from that tether, I promise you he would have met God that day. I promise you he would have seen God that day. But what do we do, man? We try to fit God into something that we can understand. I'm in a corner. How many times did the religious leaders of the day try to corner Jesus? And it never worked. But yet we try to corner Jesus. I'm going to pin God down. I'm going to, I'm going to make him show me or I'm going to fit him into this, into this scenario. And it just doesn't work. So how do we move from doubt to belief? Today, we're going to take a look at the most popular doubter of all of time. For over 2,000 years, this guy has been known as a doubter. Many of you know him by the name of Doubting Thomas. 
What a poor situation this guy was. Before I go into, into the full story here, I want to go to the end of the story. The end of the story is this. Thomas becomes a, an incredible believer. In fact, he, he is the first one to evangelize the nation of India. And in fact, his, his belief in God is so strong that he was captured by another faith group and they had spears and they said, listen, unless you deny Jesus, you're going to die here today. And you know what doubting Thomas's, what Thomas's response was? I shall never deny him. I shall never deny him. And so guess what? They killed him right there. They ran a spear right through him. And his, his, uh, his grave is in India even today. And so incredible end of the story. But let's go back to the beginning. So Jesus is crucified. He's buried in a tomb. He raised again on the third day. After his resurrection, Jesus began to appear to a lot of people. I believe it was about 500 people over the next 40 days. It was a bunch of people. In fact, there were 10 different encounters that you will read. And one of those encounters was Jesus going to the 12 disciples. The problem was, is as the disciples were in the house, Thomas was not there. So he showed himself to the 11 disciples. And then Thomas comes back and we'll pick it up in the story. John chapter 20 and 24 says this. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the 12 was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. I'm gonna pause right there for a second. Have you ever noticed that on your journey from doubt to belief, it seems like everybody else is having an easier time than you are. This had to have been how, how Thomas felt. He's like, oh yeah, sure, I'm gone. And Jesus, which is dead, suddenly shows up on the scene. He shows himself, he, and, and, and I'm not there. And so Thomas's response, he literally drew a line in the sand. He's like, I'm tired of this. He's mad, he's angry. His response is this. Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side where that spear was, I will not believe. John chapter 20 and verse 26, one week later, John is with the other disciples. They're locked in a house and Jesus, the, the door's locked. Jesus walks through the wall and appears to them. Once again, another reason why you shouldn't treat Jesus as common. The guy can walk through walls, right? All powerful. So he walks through walls and he's in their presence and this is what he says. He says, peace be with you. So number one, on your journey from doubt to belief, number one is this, your doubt will never keep Jesus away. I am so grateful for this, that my doubt that I've had in my past and even have sometimes today, it doesn't keep Jesus away. Jesus continues to pursue me. He continues to give me experiences. He continues to show his love to me in multiple different ways. He continues to reach out to me. C.S. Lewis, which is known for the Chronicles of Narnia, he was, he was born in a, um, in a, in a, uh, a Christian home. And um, in fact, he was baptized as a boy. He belonged to the Church of Ireland. At 15 years of age, 
He was so fed up with the church and the rules and the rituals and things like that. At 15 years old, he said, I vow today to be an atheist. I don't believe in God anymore. And so from the age of 15 till the age of 29, he aggressively defended his atheism. In fact, he, he, he went as far as to bring other Christians kind of along, along with him. But at the age of 29, he met a man by the name of J.R.R. Tolkien. And J.R.R. Tolkien, he, he wrote The Lord of the Rings. J.R.R. Tolkien was a devout Christian, a very strong Christian. And J.R.R. Tolkien took it upon himself to minister as much as possible to C.S. Lewis. And he ministered to him often over a two-year period. At the age of 31, C.S. Lewis bowed to his knees and he received Jesus Christ as, as his Lord and Savior. Now, I want you to know this. That's, that's great, right? I want you to know this, that, that C.S. Lewis was an incredible and very intelligent man, a very, very high thinker. But whenever he came to write his autobiography, Come on, I believe it was called Surprised by Joy. When he came to write that autobiography, he didn't talk about his and, and, and use his intellect to defend the faith. You know what he did? He used his personal experience to share why it is that he believes in Jesus Christ. Went from an atheist to a strong believer, and many, many people have been encouraged and saved under C.S. Lewis uh, since, since that conversion. Come on, let's give the Lord some, some praise. I'm so grateful that God does not give up on us. And maybe you've been raised, come on, in the church, and you know better, but you haven't been living right. I'm telling you, God loves you, and he's not given up on you. Jesus says, says this to Thomas. So he's in the room. He's just walked through the wall. They're in a, 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 you know, a, a locked house. And Jesus says, peace be with you. And then he turns to Thomas, and basically he's saying this. He's like, Thomas, you know, I'm not real excited that this is what it takes, but here's my hands. Go ahead and put your fingers in them. And oh, here's my side. Go ahead and reach in and, and, and put your, your hand in my side. And then Jesus says to him, stop doubting and believe. So number two is this. If you're going to move from doubt to belief, you have to take a step. There is nobody since Jesus died on a cross and rose again that did not have to take a step. Some of us, we want God to do everything. He has done everything, but you have to take a step. My step looked like this. I was in a jail cell in Boise, Idaho for a DUI, completely drunk. And my step looked as simple as this. God, if you can use my life, you can have it because I'm done with it. And immediately my life changed to the point where it's led me to where I am today. And so, yeah, come on, that's so good. But this is the thing is my story is no different than some of y'all's story. And, and they're all incredible stories. And, and you know, maybe it's not as, as, as uh, sketchy as my story, but your story is still as powerful as my, as my story. Amen? And so today I want to give you permission to go and continue this faith journey. And this is a big deal. I want everybody just to look at me just real quick. Once again, many people, you know what I mean? They disbelieve today, sometimes because of how they've been treated by the church. And for that, I apologize. But for a long time, for decades, 
For you to belong to a faith community, you had to believe before you could ever belong. And I'm telling you what, there's even something worse. Before you could be involved in a faith community, you had to behave before you belong. And I'm just telling you this, listen, I'm the pastor of the church, get it right or wrong, but I'm telling you, you don't have to believe to be a part of this community. You don't have to behave to be a part of this community. If you will but come with your addiction, come on, with your doubt, I am a firm believer that if you will give us one year, it's not gonna take a year, but if you'll give us one year, bring your doubt, bring your, if you wanna talk, we can absolutely talk. I'm not gonna argue with you, but I'm saying this, that if you will but come, I'm telling you, God is gonna reveal his power to you and he will begin to show you that he loves you, amen? So you're welcome. You're welcome. Just don't come wearing all that scantily clad. No, I'm just totally, yeah, I'm just, I'm totally just messing, just messing. John 20 and 28, this is the moment that Thomas is saved. Listen, this is his prayer. My Lord and my God. So, so, such a short scripture, but yet so powerful. Somebody can say, man, that's so easy, but it's not easy. You know what? I want to apologize on behalf of the church because we have always presented salvation as easy because God's done all the work. But I'm telling you, it's going to be difficult. It is going to cost you everything for you to receive everything and more. You cannot, you cannot, listen to me now, because I haven't done a good job of this. You cannot have one foot in the world and one foot with God. Like, listen, I'm telling you, come, you can be like that, but you are not saved until you trust him. You give him everything. And so you, your belief, listen, your belief requires belief to the point that you take action. I'm telling you, what did my action look like when I got out of, the, out of jail? God, if you can have my life, you can, you know, if you can do anything good in my life, you can have it. You know, the first thing I did when I got home, I went into my liquor cabinet, which I had hundreds and hundreds of dollars of liquor and poured it out of, out of, out of the bottles into the sink. I took my, you know what I'm saying? Because I'm telling you the very thing that God was calling me to do, I was obedient in doing. Now, if I just went home and poured my liquor out, that's not going to do anything had I not surrendered my life to Jesus. But your belief requires action. Okay, we're smart people. And so let me just ask you this one question. This is for all the believers. So if you're not a believer here, just tune out for a second. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, I want you to raise your hand just real quick. I love that. Filled with believers. Now, let me ask you a question. I'm getting in your business. Okay, on Easter Sunday, really, you're getting in my business? I'm getting in there. Listen to the question. If the resurrection had not happened, how would you, how would you live your life differently today? So if Jesus didn't raise from the, the grave, meaning that all of this is for nothing, if he died and he's just still dead, he didn't raise again, how would it change how you live your life today? And I'm telling you, Christians, you believers, if you have to think about it, or if you're just like, like, I don't know, maybe it wouldn't change my life at all, then I would strongly encourage you to consider your salvation. Because the resurrection, him raising again, it requires 
change and transformation. And I'm telling you, had he not raised again from the dead, I, wouldn't, I probably wouldn't be alive right now because I would have been living selfishly for me just like I had always been. But I'm telling you, that's a great litmus test. Number three, and this is the last one, give your life to the one who gave his life for you. If you want to move from doubt to belief, give your life fully because belief is not faith in something. Belief is faith on someone. Belief is not faith in something, but belief is faith on someone. There was a guy by the name of Charles Blunden, born 1824 in France. His mom seen something special in Charles at a young age, and he just had an incredible balance and, and whatnot. So his mom got him involved in acrobatics. And Charles, even as a young boy, he just, he just, was, he just excelled in, in this, this area of acrobatics. And so they started, they started teaching him how to tightrope walk. And he became excellent in walking the tightrope. At 31, he now lived in New York City and he was using his acrobatics and, and his tightrope walking to make a living. And he had this bright idea one day. He's like, listen, I'm going to stretch a tightrope all the way across the Niagara Falls Gorge. And I'm going to walk across it and I'm going to invite a bunch of people out and I'm going to sell them tickets and I'm going to make a bunch of money. And that's exactly what he did. He, he went out and most of the people that had gone out there to watch him, they were probably betting on his failure. It's amazing how that kind of draws a crowd, doesn't it? It's like, we really don't want him to fall, but he might fall. And so anyway, as you know, that whenever you do something great, like to get people back, if they've already seen it, to get people back, you got to just kind of make it a little bit better. So the next time, I think he put a blindfold on. And the next time he jumped into a, a, a potato sack and went across it, you know, in a potato sack. And the next time he, he got on some stilts and he walked across this tightrope and stilts. And every single time, you know, he's just doing it a little bit harder, a little bit better. And, and droves of people are coming out and he's making great money. And then he came up with a wild idea because he was really, really trying to figure out how do I, how do I one up this? And so he just told the crowds of people, listen, I'm going to be here on this date. I encourage you to come. I'm not going to reveal to you what I'm going to do, but it's going to be the most spectacular crossing that you've seen yet. And so he's got this big crowd of people and he tells him, he said, listen, this is what I'm going to attempt before you today. He said, I'm going to cross this gorge, Niagara Falls Gorge with somebody on my back. And everybody was like shouting. They were like, yeah, woo! This is fantastic. And then, and they're celebrating. Yeah, you could do it. You could do it. And then all of a sudden he says, that's fine. That's great. All I need is a volunteer. Right. <laughs> and the place went absolutely silent. Like nobody was just ready to. And so this is, this is a perfect picture of having belief in something or in someone, but not having enough belief to where you, you believe on someone. And I'm just telling you this church that, well, even if you're not part of the church, like Jesus died for you. He has presented to you the most beautiful gift that has ever been given above all gifts. He's, he's given it to you today. He says, here it is for you. But this is the deal, guys. He doesn't, he is not okay with you treating gifts like the other gifts that you have received from other people, which honestly, usually end up at some point in a closet or out in the garage. 
He says, this gift is going to require your care. It's going to require your attention. It's going to require, it's going to, it's going to require your value. I want you to put it in the highest place of your life and keep your eyes on it. And he says, listen, the gift that I give you is eternal life through Jesus's death, his burial and his resurrection. So good. You know, we live in an interesting time here today. If there was a hundred people and I just randomly was asking a hundred people, you know, and, and it doesn't matter if they're going to church or not, saved or not. If I was to ask a hundred strangers, hey, are you going to go to heaven? The response of most of them would be like, yeah, probably. I'll probably go to heaven. And you ask them, why are you going to go to heaven? Well, because I'm a pretty good person. Are you going to go to heaven? Yeah, probably. Why? Because I'm a pretty good person. Can I just tell you this, that the most good of people, Mother Teresa, Billy Graham, who else do we know that's just like amazing? They were an amazing human being. Who? Charles Stanley. Yeah, and so, so many people, maybe like your grandmother. You're like, my grandmother never sinned. She never, she did, I promise you. But this is the deal. You got your mother, Teresa. You've got, you've got this person over here, you know, that is the, the apex of goodness. This person does not go to heaven except through Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you once again, th there is so much unbelief that, that even Christians, even preachers and pastors and teachers, whenever they're asked, is Jesus really the only way to heaven? They're saying things like, well, I don't, I, I'm not really qualified to, you know what I mean, to say that. It's like the Bible's qualified to say that. He says that there is no way to the Father except through the Son. Muhammad's not going to get you there. Buddha's not going to get you there. An amount of money or service is not going to get you there. The only way that you're going to heaven is by my, not just even believing in Jesus, but believing him to the point that you surrender your life to him. When Thomas said it, he said, my Lord, my God, my Lord is a huge thing. That means you are the Lord of my life. I'm not in charge of my life anymore. That's what Thomas was saying. My life belongs to you. To the point where Thomas said, I will never deny him. Go ahead and run that spear right through me. Kill me right now because I will not deny him. I give up my life to to be for him. I will not deny him. And so I'm telling you, once again, in the church, we've tried to, we try to convince people, you know, just trust God. Just please raise your hand. Please pray this prayer. But, but look what Jesus and how Jesus handled this, this part of walking with him, this part of becoming a believer. Jesus would teach a little lesson and then he would say something wild like, if they have ears to hear, let them hear. And what he was talking about was spiritual ears, like, like the word of God is true and it goes out and it hits the mark and I've just spoken the word. And, and if the spirit has done something, then their ears will be open to hear. If they have ears to hear, let them hear. And then you know what he would do? He'd pick up and just take off. 
There was no, come on, please just trust me. God loves you so much. He just wants your... And so I'm just telling you today on this Easter Sunday, if you have ears to hear, let, let them hear. Amen. So this is the deal. How do you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? You believe in your heart to the point of action. I'm not just going to say a prayer and just think that that prayer is going to be the thing that saves me. I believe in my heart to the point of saying my life is not my own. And I confess Jesus Christ with my mouth. I will be saved. So if you would like to do that this morning, I'm just giving you an opportunity. If that's you, if you'd like to rededicate your life this morning to the Lord or give your heart to him for the first time, just slip a hand in the air just real quick. If you have ears to hear, let you hear. Awesome. Right here. Thank you, ma'am best decision anybody else whole bunch of people right here come on let's celebrate just a little bit celebrate thank you lord for the work that you do now guys that just raised your hand up in the balcony was there anybody anybody i didn't even look up there awesome thank you sir i appreciate that right here online you can do it right where you are but i'm telling you this is a journey it's a journey today's the first step you got a long way to go. God's done it all. He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. But the journey is this. You're going to now become more like Christ every single day that you live. Putting away the old life and, and, and grabbing a hold of the new. Being transformed into his image and likeness. You're going to come up short. That's where his mercy and grace is new every day. Don't use his mercy and grace as an excuse because if it's just an excuse, then, then probably what's just happened really didn't happen. He loves you. And there is gonna be such love poured out on you that your heart is just gonna be like, I just want to please him. I wanna, I, my desire is to please him. So I'm telling you, we're here for you. If you don't have a Bible, I will buy you a Bible. If I can do anything for you, our team can do anything for you, we are here. If you're going through marriage issues, we're here. Amen. You got addiction problems. This is the beginning. You may have to struggle for a little bit, but maybe God will just deliver you from it. But we're, we'll do our best to get you the help that you need. Welcome to the family is what I'm saying. Welcome to the family. So with that, guys. As we leave, I'm going to give you the opportunity to give. I encourage you to give if you're part of this house. If you're not part of this house, meaning that this isn't your church and you're just checking things out, the giving aspect, I'm not talking to you. Please don't give anything unless the Lord's just saying, do it, then be, be, be honorable to that. But if this is your house, the tithe and the offering is super important. Be faithful in your tithes and offerings. It helps us to do a great thing, not only in our own community, but around the world. Also, in the event that you gave your heart to the Lord or you just want to stay connected to Grace Church a little bit more, go ahead and, and text this number, 208-481-8110, uh, and just type in in the, in the text box the word Easter, and uh, we'd like to stay in contact with you. I want to say that I love you. I would love to be your pastor, and um, if you will trust me with that, I think we'll have a fun time and give God all the glory. Amen. Happy Easter. Enjoy your families today. God bless you. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. 
visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.